Quantspeak, expert insights from quants for quants. Welcome to Quantspeak, a new podcast from the CQF Institute at Fitch Learning. Hi, I'm Dan Tudball, editor of Wilmot Magazine, and this is Quantspeak. Reinforcement learning seems to be everywhere at the moment. The last episode of Quantspeak discussed it with regard to building AI-powered smart portfolios. To recap, reinforcement learning is a machine learning approach concerned with solving dynamic optimization problems in an almost model-free way by maximizing a reward function in state and action spaces. This property makes it an exciting area of research for financial problems. Now, to reinforce that point, a cue app sound effect, today's guest, Sonam Srivastava, will be presenting a CQF talk on deep reinforcement learning for asset allocation in US equities. Sonam, who is the founder of Right Research, an India-based robo-advisor, will look at long short-term memory networks, convolutional neural networks, and recurrent neural networks, and compare them with traditional portfolio management approaches like mean variance, minimum variance, risk parity, and equally weighted portfolios. Welcome, Sonam. Thanks for having me. I know it's great to have you here. You described the motivation for creating data-driven portfolios as coming from a deep passion for quant finance. What are the roots of that passion? I've been a math geek all my life and, uh, you know, I... Uh, studied engineering. Uh, I studied chemical engineering, but you know, I was always uh, back in 2006 to 10, and I was very, very uh, passionate about algorithms, right? I started my career with chemical engineering, but I quickly, you know, explored and, you know, I tried doing tech, but that didn't fit in for me. But once I found quant finance, right, I started working on trading algorithms. That really sort of clicked for me. I could see things that I was good at were making money in the market. And I had the tools to, you know, enhance and improve those algorithms. So I really got hooked onto that in 2012 when I was sort of working with uh, some fund managers from AQR who had actually come to India to set up a quant shop. So that was my first uh, exposure to uh, quant. And since then I've been in the field and uh, you know in india uh, actually algorithmic trading itself sort of started in 2010 so uh, me being an early adopter to it i sort of got to you know experiment and work with very very interesting teams here in india you know build the systems ground up and uh, that led to my passion i moved to hsbc where i worked on you know factor strategies and some other differentiated stuff for the global markets which again you know really took my passion to the next level where I explored the factors that affect the market. And I keep on experimenting with, um, you know, machine learning in finance. I used to do a lot of blog posts and things like that before, which led to, you know, dedicated research that I pursue along with what I do at Right Research now. So Right Research is actually, uh, you know, a way for me to take my deep passion for quant finance and create something in India, which is not there, right? So quant is not present in any, you know, significant percentage in India, but the India market is growing at a very, very rapid pace. 
so i saw that there will be a space for quant in this market and that's what i am sort of pursuing here and it's very interesting right the stuff that we're doing and how people are perceiving it although you say that uh, quant is not widely dispersed in india the indian institutes of technology have quite a reputation for toughness and rigor no that is true so it's not like it's not like indians are not doing quant but you know indians are doing it for foreign companies right they're not doing it for the india market so i mean the biggest team uh, of biggest quant team that i worked for in was in hsbc where we were working for the european market right not specifically for the india market which is you know a growing space yes so you mean as a as a lo- as a localized or local shop rather than international firm my intention is to not be localized but there's a lot of opportunity in the local space right because everybody who is doing uh, asset management in the local shops is very traditional stock pickers passive so there's a huge opportunity for you know Uh, I think quant to do well in an emerging market like India. Absolutely. Actually, the question I wanted to ask you about the IITs was, with their reputation for toughness and rigor and so on, do you think this works well in the development of a quant practitioner mindset? You came from an IIT background in engineering, chemical engineering. Do you think the 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 rigor and the the toughness of the program really helped develop? the right mindset for quant practitioners iit is definitely a place where you know you can really work on your skill set work on your you know if you like data science then you can do a bunch of data science courses and really um, excel in that if you like algorithms then you can do that and it's a great place for people to sort of hone their skills so not saying that you know all good quants come from iits i've seen good quants from across the board even in india but iits are definitely a great place where you know people can go and really practice those skills have some very great you know instructors do some good projects and become confident in what they're doing were there any particular insights that you picked up at, at iit that you've carried with you throughout your career i was a chemical engineer and i sort of did not like chemical engineering at all initially and then i sort of switched to uh, on numerical methods in chemical engineering uh, in my you know third year in college and i did some projects on biochemistry where you know we were trying to find those si rnas that could detect alzheimer genes and we were doing this using machine learning so this was an immensely interesting uh, topic for me i was getting to use algos and data so i pursued it for a couple of semesters so i think that really made me very confident that i can really pursue this and this is my passion right so obviously i got that opportunity because you know such projects in india are mostly there in the iits right absolutely i think if uh, if somebody could come up with a machine learning ai project to actually replace government i think that wouldn't be a, such a bad thing you know i think we'd probably end up with a fairer portioning out of public funds and so on it can't be worse than than what we get in most countries can it <laughs> could be you worked for a number of firms before striking out on your own you touched a little bit on what the the motivation behind this was but um you know what were the factors that influenced you really to go it alone and set up right 
So when I was working at HSBC, I was working in the central this book desk, which is a proprietary desk on the broking floor. So when I was working there, the team sort of got shut down because you know HSBC wanted to not do risk uh, trading, right? So I mean that was the motivation of me moving out of the bank, and I sort of joined a machine learning based advisor in the US called Qplum, which was again a very interesting startup started by you know my seniors from IIT who had done really well for themselves in high frequency trading and stuff like that. And uh, they also sort of shut down on eight months of me joining. So, you know, having seen these two things, I thought I want to pursue something and I want to do it for the long term. So it's best that I pursue it on my own instead of going to other places and not being able to pursue something for the long term. And I saw there was a huge opportunity in India. The new investors in India are actually the, the tech graduates, right? the software developers are the people who are making money in India, right? Uh, the software entrepreneurs, the software developers. So people uh, know and understand tech and data better now. And they're looking for advisors who can give them research-based, data-driven advisory instead of the traditional passive way. So I think that was a good motivation to start. Once I started uh, getting a good feedback from the customer, seeing the growth you know, really hooks you on. And it has been a good journey for me that I aim to pursue. Do you enjoy the the running of the business aspect of things as much as the quantitative aspect of things? Because we could call you a entrepreneur, really, couldn't we? I do enjoy the business aspects quite a lot. In the businesses of asset management or you know any quant strategies, the business at the end of the day is always correlated to you know how you perform, because the client is not a fool right they will just go if you're not performing right so uh, so this business uh, you know you have to be on top of the quant or the models that you're running so that you do well and uh, i really enjoy the business aspect also we do content marketing we do social media we do a bunch of different stuff we are raising capital so many different things are going on but it gives me a greater control on how things will go uh, how I want them to go and we can create like a dedicated quant team here instead of being in a larger team and quant being a very small subset of it, which doesn't get attention, at least in India. That's a good goal to have. Well, as I said in the introduction, reinforcement learning seems to be everywhere. In fact, uh, on our last edition of uh, Quant Speak, we had Samit Alawat in to talk about reinforcement learning for building smarter trading strategies. And he he had built two. One was based on um, hidden Markov models, and the the second one was based on reinforcement learning. Now, uh, as far as the asset allocation problem is concerned, that you're applying reinforcement learning to, can you frame that problem as you see it for our listeners? Yeah, so uh, so the problem statement that we are going for is asset allocation problem, which I think anybody who's creating a portfolio sort of tries to solve that problem, right? That, you know, you have a bunch of assets, or let's say a bunch of stocks or ETF where you want to allocate to. And at different times, you want to tactically shift your allocation, right? Depending on the market conditions. So a traditional manager sort of goes with his conviction, whatever his analysis is, a quant manager would try to uh, 
create an expected return and a risk function, right? That's how people approach this problem, right? And there are various methods of doing it, which are uh, quite well known, uh, which you mentioned, uh, one being the equal weight, where you just take the assets, give them equal weight, one being minimizing the variance, one being risk parity, giving everything equal risk weight, or uh, mean variance optimization, where you're actually trying to maximize historical returns and minimize the risk. And machine learning actually has been used in this framework widely, right? So if you lead a lot of literature, you'll find that people have been using deep learning, machine learning models to forecast returns, right? To forecast what the return of the particular stock in the next period would be. So this is traditionally, this is usually done using supervised machine learning. And, uh, you know, I also tried doing that quite a lot. But the problem with that is that, uh, you know, the market itself is very noisy, right? So if you have a simple prediction model that is trying to forecast returns on a daily basis or whatever frequency, it will give you very noisy re results, right? So you will be doing a lot of churn, uh, which will bring, bring up your cost, take down your returns. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to explore. Uh, so in this, in this framework, what really works is an agent who is trying to fit into the market and maximizing the portfolio performance, right? So we thought that a reinforcement learning agent could fit really well in this uh, problem statement. Reinforcement learning agent sees the market based on the market. It tries to maximize the portfolio performance and then it receives the feedback from the market, which uh, tells us if it is doing well or not. And it optimizes itself uh, to do better, right? In finance, it's, it's very important to, um, to know your weapon. You know, there's... Um... Some situations where you don't really want to use a, a hand grenade where a um, something uh, uh, more subtle would do so when it comes to choosing the network type i guess what sorts of situations are more suited would you say i mean are long short-term memory networks more suited to a particular situation and convolutional neural networks better suited to something else and recurrent neural networks better suited to something else again? I mean, is, it, is there a sort of a more fitting application for each, each approach? So we did in our research, we've actually tried all these networks, right? In the framework that we built, right? Just replacing the network type uh, with a convolutional or a, a recurrent or a LSTM. And uh, all of these models, you know, have a, a varying performance in, in different market conditions. But we actually did find one particular model that uh, did well across all market conditions and sort of did better than all models that we tried out, right? So what we tried to do is, you know, we're not just trying to maximize the performance, but we also want to maintain a healthy diversification in the portfolio. We want to have a good sharp ratio and we also want to keep our churn low, right? There's no sense of doing excessive churn and creating a very undiversified portfolio because that will lead to a lot of risk. So we saw that, you know, we, our approach was actually using just a model and we did not tell that model that, you know, uh, that portfolio allocation is a function of return and risk. And this is what you have to do. We just supplied the data to the model and we, and the model saw the return of the portfolio based on the weight that it threw out, right? And, and the model itself optimizes itself 
so that you know it is actually doing all the three things which is maximizing the returns lowering the risk keeping the cost low by itself which was i think an amazing thing to see can you describe a little bit the the differences in the approaches with uh, say long short term memory convolutional and so on i mean what are what are the sort of defining characteristics also each of these three models have uh, their own set of their own architecture right which differentiates them right so a convolution neural network uh, uh, tries to, is mostly used in image recognition where you have different convolutions that try to capture a certain part of the picture and uh, that's how they work so we did try convolution neural networks first in this problem and we got um, you know we got good results with that but because this is a sequence problem right the current result is actually a feature of the previous result right it is not a static thing so that's why for this time series problem a recurrent neural network which actually has some sort of a memory right because it uh, uses the historical prediction data in its uh, training that would have been a better fit in this particular problem and then lstms are another version of recurrent neural networks where you actually have a long term memory right so they have these gates in their architecture which help them retain a longer or a shorter term memory based on you know how it gets optimized and uh, you know that is again a solution that works really well in time series problems right uh, so that's what we tried uh, but uh, apart from these networks right our architecture also had a few nuances right that we were not just putting a network supplying it input and letting it uh, give the output we were also uh, we also constructed in such a way so that it uh, has some sort of memory of the previous weights that it has uh, thrown out so that it can control its churn so that was a very good feature that our architecture had and also you know when you're training time series data then uh, it doesn't make sense to train the model in the future and test it out in the past right so you have to maintain uh, the sequence of time when training it so that was also a feature uh, that we incorporated in our model uh, so that you know it uh, maintained the sequence of time when when we got it trained how long did it take to develop everything uh, so uh, i mean i ha- i had actually been you know tinkering with this particular problem for some time and i was experimenting it with some uh, slightly higher frequency data based on i read a very good research paper by these chinese researchers and based on that i was sort of experimenting with it and then dr mikel alonso uh, you know i collaborated with him on some other projects and then we thought that let's do this for us equities and see how it goes so obviously it took a few iterations right to get it right we uh, the networks take a long time to run if you don't have you know the best computers in the world so it takes uh, you know a day or so to iterate over the whole history uh, with these heavy models uh but you know we would run it and then we would analyze it right uh, what is it doing why is it doing this and if we saw that something is not going correct we would go and change stuff yeah so it took a few months for us and then we wrote the paper that we wrote quite comfortably we spent time in doing the literature research doing the math research that we wanted to put in into the paper so it was a very interesting thing i really enjoyed doing this
how have you found the acceptance of machine learning in the finance industry in India? Do you still need to do you still need to uh, sell the merits of the approach, or is it fairly well known? I see machine learning is uh, well known and sometimes, you know, it is actually used as a buzzword here because people sometimes don't understand it, but they like the term machine learning. And, you know, if you add it to your, uh, what you're offering, people get excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> there are few people who are doing it, but there's a lot of interest among people. It's a lot of younger generation kids who want to learn this stuff. And I get a lot of requests from people asking about it. So I think there will be a good amount of talent that would develop in the future, yeah. Right. And from the research and from this experience of uh, looking at uh, US equities in particular, have you identified where you're going to go next with your research? Uh, so, uh, so after doing this project, we actually, like me and Dr. Mikhail, have collaborated in a couple of other areas of, of deep learning, which are very exciting. So our uh, one paper that we published was on double descent in time series, which is, we said that bias variance trade-off that people talk about. There's some researchers who have said that, you know, overfitting will give you a better solution. So we tried to test that out and we published a paper on that, which was a very exciting, interesting area. Uh, we want to explore, compare a deep learning model with other machine learning models that work really well in time series. And we want to experiment with those stuff we are thinking about doing more research in reinforcement learning in other problem areas, not just portfolio optimization or tactical asset allocation, but other areas, right? Uh, be it uh, derivative pricing, be it market making, be it anything, right? So we are sort of looking to find out interesting topics. Great. Uh, is this the first time you've come across the CQF Institute? Actually, Dr. Mikel Alonso is involved with the CQF Institute, and this is the first time you're speaking at the Institute. But what's your impression been of the course, and have you had a look through the, the program and all of that? No, definitely. I've been aware of CQF Institute for a long time, and I think there's a community out here in India also, right? There's a India chapter and people who pursue it here. And I've seen through the curriculum and, you know, it looks really interesting, you know. I did another course in quant finance a couple of years ago, which was a two-year course. So, you know, I sort of thought that, okay, I'm done with the studying part. I like to, you know, experiment and do a lot of projects on my own. And I'm sort of trying to pursue the research aspect, right, more actively. Which leads us to... What's going to happen next for right research? I mean, what's the direction? I assume you're going to keep with the robo advisory business model and all of that sort of thing, but the underlying foundation of it could really take you anywhere, couldn't it? Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, uh, good plans, right? So uh, obviously the robo advisory side of business is growing for us, right? So we want to perfect it. We want to expand it, right? So right now we actually have around 10,000 active subscribers who use our strategies. And we want to you know, expand that reach even bigger. Uh, we want to go into a little bit of uh, institutional capital management, right? which is a little bit more serious quant, right? Because retail audience doesn't sort of 
care about the quant aspect, right? They want to see the return and the risk. Uh, so we want to do a little bit more serious institutionalized uh, asset management uh, where you know we actually uh, can showcase the quant work that we are doing uh, we want to do equities derivatives stuff like that we started us uh, based portfolios also we're looking to collaborate with global firms and expanding the global reach also uh, so we have a lot of interesting plans and uh, right now i am really focusing on expanding my team right because we are growing, so we need uh, you know good tech people. We need good quant researchers. We need good people on the business side. You can certainly advertise your uh, <laughs> your your vacancy here, and hopefully the uh, the CQF certificate holders will get priority for interview. Yeah, those guys. I mean, I think a CQF holder would be a perfect candidate to come in. So we are actively looking for you know a CTO or uh, somebody to lead the quant function so somebody from the cq of institute would be actually perfect so definitely <laughs> anybody listening should reach out <laughs> any final thoughts you know the research that we have done the the problem statement that we are solving uh, with the approach that we followed is a really interesting one you know there are so many nuances that you know that really fascinate me and the results are also very good to look at so i think it would be an interesting talk for people to see and uh, start working on get an inspiration from and start working on their own so i would ask all the listeners to come in and listen to the talk that's coming next month brilliant thank you very much sonam so sonam srivastava will be delivering a talk on deep reinforcement learning for asset allocation in u.s equities on wednesday 11th of may 2022 an online global talk free for CQF Institute members. So once again, Sonam, thank you so much for your time and uh, we look forward to your talk. Thank you for listening to QuantSpeak. Don't forget to subscribe and do sign up to the CQF Institute for more insights into quant finance.